Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, brave, amazing love warriors, for coming out in the rain, in the fall, to come to church. Big hand to you. And welcome to everyone who's online at home in your pajamas, drinking tea at the coffee shop. We're so glad you're here. If you don't know me or us yet, I'm Jackie Lewis. I'm the senior minister here. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and welcome everyone. Welcome home. A couple of things to highlight for you today. Um, first, let me say, today is an incredibly important congregational meeting uh, right after worship. Uh, if you're online, it's gonna be in the chat and chew link um, I'm going to assume, because my tech people are fabulous, that you have that, uh, but that's what is going to be in the conversation. We're going to be talking about middle rising and giving you an update on all the work that we're doing to get ready to get ready to rebuild here on site. So thank you for coming. Uh, can't wait to have that informational time with you. We'll do it right after worship. We'll Benedict, we'll sit down and we'll do it. We're still celebrating. Uh, Hispanic Heritage Month, so we've had incredible music. Thank you, John Del Cueto. And all the choirs, and today I'm so excited that the Reverend Nick LaPara is gonna be preaching with us. Um, I'll say more about him right before he preaches just to make him nervous. Uh, so that's what we're doing. We'll continue that through the middle of the month. Next Sunday, October 9th, in the afternoon, from 2 to 3, we have a program called Liberate Democracy. And it's going to be a partnership with Faith and Public Life, our partners in DC, Vote Common Good, where Rod Coburn is also on that team, and Middle Church, uh, saying, what the, what the? What, what are the issues? What are the concerns? What does it mean for us to vote a just and loving vision? And it's free, it's free, y'all. So from two to five at middlechurch.org, we'll be streaming that, great conversation partners. I hope you'll put that on your calendar and be with us. And peeking ahead to October 16th, which is our 18th children's Sabbath at mm. Middle Church. Yeah, we can hoot on that. And my new friend, Nelba Marquez-Green, whose daughter died, sadly, at Sandy Hook, is going to be here to preach for us as we think about caring for children. With all of that, yeah, I know, right? With all of that, let's take a deep breath. And some of our colleagues in the room have birthdays this month. Uh-oh. If you do, what? raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're born in October. Uh-oh. Okay. Now. We are going to sing a greeting for them and then we're going to worship God in our songs. Happy birthday.
Middle, if you would rise as you are able, we are giving you a little classical today, and we are opening up the gates with holy, holy, and holy. If you will remain standing with me for the prayers of the people, our prayer um, today, let me take my mask off, I tested this morning, and I know that I'm hard to understand without, I'm so sorry. Um, our, our prayers of the people today is a movement prayer, so just make sure you got a little elbow room. And if you're online, you know, you might still be in your PJs, but if you still under them covers, I need you to, you know. All right, um, this morning there are three movements to this prayer. We are going to honor uh, the divine that is everywhere. Beautiful, beautiful. We're gonna honor the divine in our neighbor, so bow to someone to your right, someone to your left. And we are going to honor the divine within. Okay? We'll do the, that three times. Well, technically four, because you just did it with me and you all are. A plus, good job. <laughs> so I'll say, um, I'll say all of that again, we'll do it again. And then the second time I'll just say one or two words and the last time we'll do in silence, okay? Honoring the divine around us. Honoring the divine in your neighbor. Honoring the divine within. 
all around us. In your neighbor. Within. Amen. And now if you would join me in praying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray in whatever language you know, whatever version you know. We also have a version printed in our bulletin. If you'll pray with us now. Ever-loving and holy God, hallowed be thy name. Venga a nosotros tu reino. Hágase tu voluntad en la tierra como en el cielo. Und vergib uns unsere Schuld, wie auch wir unsere Schuldigen vergeben. Não nos deixeis cair em tentação e livrai-nos de todo o mal. For thine is the reign, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amém. It's time for us to pass the peace to one another. As uh, Reverend Natalie showed us earlier, this posture um, is a way to, to, to identify the divine in another. And I wanted to invite you to take this posture as you pass the peace to one another. It's a posture that comes from my tradition, from India, and a word that often goes with this, this posture is namaste. And it has a really beautiful meaning that I'd like to reclaim from um, yogi, <laughs> yoga instructors that have commercialized this practice. But it actually means the divine in me sees and honors the divine in you. And while we're still in COVID days, and there are many of us that prefer not to be touched, not to be hugged, this is a good posture to hold. Or you can have an op open arms when you pass the peace to signify your comfortability. So pass the peace amongst one another, friends, recognizing and honoring the divine in you and in those around you. Peace.
couple things on the way to the sermon. If you didn't get your animal blessed this morning, uh, we have a card you can give your pet. And <laughs> we don't want anyone's pet to be left behind, is what I'm trying to say. All pets are welcome. Just as they are, as they come through the door. So feel free to give your pet a card. Hi, Samia. Secondly, we have been really so blessed to have such an incredible staff. Um, there are not that many congregations that hung together in the last two years, like ours did. And that's them and you, but it's them. So just to take a second now to single out John. Yes. <clears throat> I'm almost done. John and Natalie and Jeff. We would not have had worship for two years without that team. We would not have had worship without Jeff's movie-making ability, John's incredible musicianship, Natalie's incredible producership. I love you so much. And John, today, you just showed us your classical chops, and we just really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So it's my honor now to invite our guest preacher today. We've been celebrating uh, Hispanic Heritage Month, and we, we love that we're this multi-ethnic community with all these beautiful things to celebrate. And so our guest preacher today is the Reverend Nick LaPara. I met Nick out in the progressive world of Christianity, where we, we be doing stuff. <laughs> um, but I uh, did a, a piece on his podcast, give a damn, which just says everything. Um, but he's been doing really great work in the world through social media, through connections, through conversations, to widen the aperture on what it means to be faithful people today. His family is here today. They, family, Nick's family is here today. Stand up, Nick's family. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Standing, they're wet. <laughs> Thank you. And Nick, welcome to the pulpit. Welcome Thank home. You so much. We're glad you're here. Hello, everyone. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Es un gusto estar aquí con ustedes en esta mañana. I'm truly delighted to be here with each and every one of you. And happy Hispanic. Latinx Heritage Month to all of you that are celebrating. You should be celebrating us, and we're celebrating. There are 60 million of us in this country alone, and we bring so much value, so much beauty, so much creativity to who this country is, what this country is, and we aren't going anywhere. So I'm so glad that we get to, for a month, uh, get to celebrate that in big and little ways. So thank you for that. Jackie uh, brought me out of retirement. I haven't, as she does. I was talking with Vicky upstairs, and, and Vicky says, when Jackie asks you to do something, you just do it. 
And so I haven't preached in six years, and so I come here humbly because I didn't know that I would ever do it again. My, my faith and my theology has transformed so deeply over the last few years. And uh, so I'm very glad that it is happening here at Middle because of Jackie. I also wear this suit for typically two occasions, when I officiate weddings and when I go see shows at Carnegie Hall with my wife. <laughs> and so I, don't, I can't remember if ever I have preached in a suit and a tie like this, so I hope you feel special as well <laughs> that that is happening. Um, I hope that this won't be the last time that I speak to you and to be with you in this way, but in case it is, because who knows what my big mouth is going to say, um, I'm going to spend the next few minutes uh, addressing a few things that I think are monumentally important. So in case this is my one at bat, um, I get to say some really special, some big, some really special things, some big ideas that might feel overwhelming. Take heart that they are overwhelming, but we get to do them incrementally and slowly for the rest of our lives. Before I read today's scripture passage to you, uh, allow me to briefly share a little bit more about me. Jackie was so kind with her introduction, but I want to share a bit more because my family is here. Uh, first, my family is here, my life partner, Rebecca, and our three children, Solis, Bell, and Roman. They are here, and they mean the world to me. Um, after living in 10 homes in four different states over the last 12 years, uh, as a family, we moved to New York City a year and a half ago, and we hope this is our forever home. So we're so glad to be here. I am the son of a Guatemalan immigrant, and I have 11 siblings, and my parents are crazy and fantastic, and I love where I've come from and who I've come from, and that is very deeply a part of who I am. I'm a social, uh, social impact entrepreneur and the founder of, as Jackie said, a company, a multifaceted organization called Let's Give a Damn, and we help people in a variety of ways to live more meaningful lives. These labors of love give me so much joy and have sucked every penny out of my bank accounts. But I'm so glad to be building this movement alongside the four people sitting right here with me and hopefully some of you in the future. Let's read our scripture. If you'll listen with me, we are going to read Psalm 37 verses one through nine. Don't get upset over evildoers. And don't be jealous of those who do wrong, because they will fade fast, like grass. They will wither like green vegetables. Trust God and do good. Live in the land and farm faithfulness. Enjoy God, and God will give what your heart asks. Commit your way to God. Trust God, and God will act and will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like high noon. Be still before God and wait for God. Don't get upset when someone gets ahead, someone who invents evil schemes. Let go of anger and leave your rage behind. Don't get upset. It will only lead to evil. Evildoers will be eliminated but those who hope in God will possess the land. And we're gonna spend the next few minutes 
on that last verse. We could obviously spend so much time on the previous nine, on the previous eight, but that last verse, those who hope in God, they will possess the land. The word of God for the people of God. This passage seems important for all of life. Lots of good advice. If you want to live well, do these things. If you want things to go poorly, do these other things. But it also seems important to me to help us process through what kind of vision we share with our children and the children for those who don't have children. All of us are part of the raising up of the children in our generation, right? It seems important, this passage and that verse in particular, for how we share this vision with our children and for the kind of world that we leave them. There are many different ways we could approach today and talk about this passage, but today we're going to focus, as I said on verse 9, evildoers will be eliminated, but those who hope in God, they will possess the land. I love verse 9 in the message translation. It says, before long, the crooks will be bankrupt, God investors will soon own the store. I like the message because it's more how we speak. Like truly, it's witty, it's smart, and I love that picture of those who invest in God's plan, God's vision for the world, they will soon own the store. Now let me say right off the bat that many have used those types of verses, that the evil will perish, and those who hope in the Lord, they have used those verses to bring about their Christian nationalistic ideas, right? That, that uh, a Christian nation is in our future, that the master plan of this Christian God is to take over everything and then mission accomplished, right? That is very prevalent in our society. Politically, culturally, it's being preached in a thousand, maybe 10,000 churches in this country this morning. And I grew up in that sort of a theology, to be honest. Maybe many of you have as well. Doom and gloom, right? This is all going to burn. The Christian God comes on a horse with a sword, kills everybody, and then we take over. That's the theology that I was force-fed as a child. But as a universalist, as someone who loves the universal Christ, who believes in this fierce love that is everywhere and in all of us. Because of that, I believe everybody gets in. So that's the, that's the lens through which I read this scripture passage. I don't know why or how or when exactly, but everybody gets in. Because the universal love of God, the fierce love of God, is too great and too powerful to let anyone go. That's what I believe. That's the only way that I can still be in this faith, to be honest, is by believing in a God whose love is that big. So that's how I'm reading this verse, to communicate that when I read this verse, I see that evil will be defeated, love wins, and those who hope in God will possess the land. And since that's everyone, that's really good news, I think. But right now as a society, we as a society and as the church, the capital C church, all who are uh, adhering to and spreading some sort of faith, the collective church, we are failing our children in a myriad of ways. We're going to focus on children today. That's where this is going. I don't want to get too bleak or political right off the bat, but we are running out of time to make 
our future and our planet better and habitable for our children. It's just the fact. I don't know if it's the next generation or the next one, but we are really screwing them over in the future, right? That's what we're doing. Again, as a church and as society. Democracy is at stake in the coming weeks, right? We have very, again, not too political. We have very big elections coming up. False idols abound. We have multiple billionaires playing a very expensive game of who can get to Mars first, while hundreds of thousands of people are going bankrupt every year in this country alone because they can't pay for those cancer treatments. And Flint, Michigan still doesn't have water. Things are out of balance, right? Again, we are not treating uh, our children appropriately and well. If you don't have children, you're part of this still. We are all taking care of our children. We're all gonna give them something in their life and after we're gone. As a whole, we are thinking and acting and eating and talking and behaving in such short-sighted ways, and that must change. And we, you and I, the kids and adults alike, we are gonna be the ones to change that. And thankfully, God is very good and very faithful and full of fierce love that gives us hope to go on. And so we're gonna talk about that hope we're going to wrap up with hope, right? We're, we, we, we did a little up and down there emotionally, some good stuff, some bad stuff. Before we get to the, okay, those who, those who hope in God will possess the land, right? That's a truth that I believe is true. So before we get to the how does that happen, let's talk briefly about the why. I've got two points to share there. Why do we, why do we the, the, the title of this sermon is we labor not for ourselves, but for the future of our children and for the future of the children. That's why we labor. And in, in, in all the ways that we labor and all the ways that we eat and play and work and live, it's not just for us, it's for them as well. So two points as to why we do that. First, because we all belong to each other. I'm not going to get into the economic state of our country, but the main reason in my mind that capitalism doesn't ultimately work is because it's convinced a whole lot of people that you are the only person that matters in your ecosystem. So run your race and make your money and build your future and any, any and everything that you do doesn't actually affect anyone else, it's just you. But that's not true. Here's what the brilliant Alan Watts, may he rest in peace, said about this. I don't know who I am unless you know who you are. And you don't know who you are unless you know who I am. In other words, we are not separate. We are our environment and all of us and each other are interdependent systems. We know who we are in terms of other people. We all lock together. Jackie, we lock together. Rod, we lock together. Natalie, we lock together. Rebecca Solis, Roman, we lock together. Everyone else whose names I don't know yet, we lock together. Um, that felt very good, but here's some other ones that might rub you the wrong way. Ron DeSantis voters, we lock together. Marjorie Taylor Greene voters, we lock together. My friend who got arrested multiple times on the steps of the Tennessee State Capitol in 2020 during the BLM rallies and who led a group of people who stayed on those steps for 62 days straight, day and night, despite over 200 arrests total, we locked together. 
Your conservative neighbor who believes women's health decisions are everyone's business, we lock together? Zacchaeus, a man who was universally hated in his community and who Jesus saw something deeper and different and better there. We lock together, Zacchaeus and me. Your Christian nationalist coworker who believes that their white six foot two washboard abs Jesus <laughs> is the only deity that everyone must serve, we all lock together. Right, those hurt a little more, some of those, right? It's easy to say the people in this room. We don't have the luxury of not affecting other people with our lives and actions. What you do will affect my children. What I do affects your children. For decades to come, not just now. The second reason, so the first one is we all lock together. That's why it matters. That's why it matters the planet that we hand our children and their children. The second reason is why we labor is not for our own good, but for the good of uh, why we labor not for our own good, but for the good of all children is because we are borrowing all of this from them. It's not ours in the first place, right? It's theirs, and someday it won't be theirs either. They'll be passing it on to somebody else. There's this Native American proverb that I love so deeply. It's changed how I do everything. Quote, we do not inherit the earth from our ancestors. We borrow it from our children. We didn't inherit anything. Everything that we do, every decision we make is on them in the future. We have so much to learn from our indigenous siblings regarding how to care for the earth, right? Uh, you've been to the grocery store and you've seen the seventh generation brand, right? They make all these cleaning supplies, right? Uh, we're not gonna get into whether or not it's right or wrong for a white dude from Vermont named Alan to co-opt seventh generation and make a lot of money from it. What we are gonna do though is look at that phrase really briefly, where does that come from? Many of you may know this already because you all uh, seem like the people that would know where the seventh generation concept comes from. It's a 1,000 years old. In the 1200s, when it first surfaced, we have first record of it. It's a principle, essentially, that every decision we make, whether it's personal, societal, political, we must take into account how it affects seven generations from now. There's no set number as to how long a generation is, but most agree it's 20 to 30 years. So. Real quickly, let me ask, are you thinking that way? Just real quick inventory of how you live, eat, drink, work, travel. Are you thinking 140 to 210 years from now, what you're doing, how it's affecting those that will live in that environment? Again, we do not inherit the earth from our ancestors. We're borrowing it from all these little ones here and everywhere that we go. Let me skip a little bit there. I want to stay on task here. Any C.S. Lewis fans in here? Anyone? Okay, I am. There's some problematic stuff in there, but all of us are problematic. I grew up loving C.S. Lewis. I've read over 40 of his books. Love, love, love. Really learned a lot from uh, C.S. Lewis early on. Uh, I know that Tolkien strongly disliked the Chronicles of Narnia, and I know the reasons why, but I love the Chronicles of Narnia. Mainly, they hold a special place in my heart when I read them, how I read them. In there, in The Horse and His Boy, King Loon is talking to his son, Kor. He has twin boys, Kor and Corin. And 
King Loon is talking to Kor, the oldest son, by 20 minutes about becoming king. And Kor does not want to be king. He wants his twin brother Corin to be king. Why? Because princes have all the fun. And Kor wanted to stay a prince. King Loon responds to Kor in the following way. Now, I remember reading this for the very first time. 20 years ago, I was sitting on the front porch of my friend's house in the bush of Zambia, Africa, way out in the middle of nowhere. And I, and I only brought the Chronicles of Narnia with me. And I read this passage. And I remember thinking, and you'll hear what I'm going to say right now, what the quote is, but I remember thinking, this doesn't, at the time I thought, this doesn't just apply to kings. I think this applies to leaders, is what I thought at the time. This is all leaders. It's not just kings. And then as I grew up and matured and developed and changed the way that I think, I now believe that the following, what I'm about to read, describes not only kings or queens or leaders, I think it applies to everyone. Stay-at-home dads, bankers, teachers, doctors, clergy, all of us. I think that this way of thinking, which is how we're going to wrap up here, three points as to how we do this, coming from this passage, I think this applies to everybody. So here's the quote. He's trying to convince his son that about the task ahead of him. He doesn't have a choice. He has to become king. That's how it works. King Loon says, for this is what it means to be a king, to be first in every desperate attack and last in every desperate retreat. And when there's hunger in the land, as must be now and then in bad years, to wear finer clothing and laugh louder over a scantier meal than every man in your land. Be the first one in, be the last one out, and laugh louder than everyone else. That's what we're going to focus on for the next few minutes as we wrap up here. We talked about the why. It's so important to get the why as to why we're doing this, why we live this way, why we're going to make changes. But here's three ways. You can choose however you want to live your life from here on out. But I think these are three simple ways that you can memorize and, and remember as to everything that I do, I'm going to filter it through these three things. It's time for action. We must act. One of the bigger issues of our day, in my opinion, is that we've convinced ourselves that we are doing something good by doing virtually nothing at all. The next big tragedy happens, right? What is the first thing that most of us do? We go onto Twitter, we share one of the most abominable phrases ever, thoughts and prayers. And we give our take, our hot take, our whatever, whether it's political or weather or whatever. The next big thing that happens, that's how, in society has convinced us that that's an okay way to live, to not really do anything, but to just go on there and tweet thoughts and prayers. I love uh, the song Walking in the Snow by Run the Jewels. I can't share all the lyrics here, and if you've heard it, you know why. It's not really PG, but it's an amazing song, and if you've listened to it, you know that. But here's some of the lyrics that Killer Mike shares. And every day on the evening news, they feed you fear for free. And you so numb, you watch the cops choke out a man like me. Until my voice goes from a shriek to a whisper, I can't breathe. And you sit there in your house on couch and watch it on TV. The most you gives a Twitter rant and call it a tragedy. But truly the, trage the travesty, you've been robbed of your empathy. Just in the past few weeks, there have been multiple unprecedented weather events 
We have people in our very own country. We're not going to talk about Pakistan. We're not going to talk about uh, Puerto Rico. We're talking about right here. We have hundreds of people dead, tens of thousands of people affected by a weather event that is directly connected to where we have put the climate. There have been these weather events, untold amounts of money and damage. In November, decency and love and inclusivity and diversity and women's rights and human rights are on the ballot. It's time for action. Less tweeting, more action. Less thoughts and prayers, more action. And lastly, uh, or no, second, sorry, I will hurry up here. <laughs> Be the last one out. So that's, that is first one in, right? Fewer Twitter rants, more action, first one in. When something happens, we are ready to go. That takes preparedness. We got to prepare ourselves mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally. When things happen, we're ready to go. Be the last one out. That requires it's harder. It requires resilience. It requires steadfastness. It requires strength given to us by God. Anyone can start a race. Not many finish them. Especially, uh, I think of this, this guy that I admire so much. His name is Jesse Eitzler. He is an uh, entrepreneur, but he, he has put his body through so many rigorous, like so much rigorous training to the point where he's run many 100-mile races. Takes a whole day. And he has this whole team that kind of documents it along the way. And so I watch it on Instagram, right? There's like 100 Instagram stories throughout the day. And I watch as the day progresses, right? He's 10 miles in 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, and it's getting dark now. It's 18, 19 hours in. And he sits down for a rest. And you could see that his body, if he sits there for 10 seconds longer, it's literally shutting down. And he gets back up, legs shaking, can't even eat or drink anything. And he keeps stumbling along until he hits this 100 miles, somewhere around the 24-hour mark. Anyone can start a race. Not many finish this hard race called life that we have been given. But those who hope in the Lord... They will possess the land. And so the last way that we do this, the last how is laughing the loudest. First in, pretty easy in the grand scheme of things. Anybody can get up and get into battle, right? Get into the fight of what we're going through right now. Last one out, harder, but easier in my view from what I've experienced in my short 39 years on this planet so far. Laughing the loudest in the midst of all of this when things are hard, when there's no food to eat, when we don't even see a solution to, I mean, it looks bleak when you look at our climate crisis, right? Like, what can we do at this point? We know there are things to do, but it feels so big and so overwhelming to think about what we can do and to really grab onto hope. But Jesus himself said in Matthew 5, again, I'm going to go to the message real quickly, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. One of my favorite scenes from A Christmas Carol is when Scrooge and the ghost of Christmas past peek in the window at Bob Cratchit's house. Bob, who is underpaid, overworked, has a real sick kid at home, but still shows up to work every day doing his job, working for the worst of the worst boss. And in these dreams, Christmas past takes him to the window, he peeks in, probably expecting to find 
I don't know, doom and gloom, and I'm sad, I don't have money, it's Christmas, what are we going to do? And instead, they find them so happy, dining on a very meager meal. Herman Melville says, I know not all that may be coming, but what be it will, but be it what it will, I'll go to it laughing. Be the first one in, be the last one out, laugh the loudest for the sake of our children so that we can give them a much better world. These past few years, friends, the past couple ones, are you tired? Anyone tired here? Anyone exhausted, worried, anxious? And I've just given you much more to be anxious about. But hopefully some solutions as well. If you're any of those things I just mentioned, God knows, God sees, and God will carry you through. The last thing I want is for you to leave here feeling guilty and heavier. We've got to do more for the children. We've, we do. We do have to do more for the children. But you've got to figure out. Now the homework, if I can give you some homework, is to leave here and ask the universal love of Christ. Ask the heavens, what, what am I supposed to do? What's my thing? What are my things? What are the changes I can make? So that we as middle, we as New York City, we as a country, what can we pass down to our kids? Here's how I want to end this. Imagine for a second, you're in a Game of Thrones type environment. We are preparing for a battle, the battle we've just described for the future of our children. Each one of you, imagine you have your favorite beverage in your hand, whatever that is. Imagine it. Start raising it up a little bit. You've got your favorite beverage right now, everybody. We're preparing to go into battle, and we're toasting before the battle begins, not after the battle ends, like you usually would toast. We're toasting before it begins. And so the toast is, ready? for God and for all the children, right? Can you do that with me as you raise your imaginary favorite beverage? Ready? For God and for all the children. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for the word. Appreciate it. I love, I want Nick's kids to come with me when I'm preaching. I like that. <laughs> Friends, uh, today is Worldwide Communion Sunday. So that means that all over the world, the people who practice the just love of Jesus are breaking bread and sharing cup. They're giving thanks for the love that will not die as they share in what they call the Eucharist. They're in the presence of the living Christ as they share what they call communion. And let us not forget, in the middle of these Jewish holidays, 
that what we've done is we've all adopted a bit of the Shabbat meal, finding rest in the bosom of God. And we also remember as we break bread and share the cup that we are thinking of God's liberating power in the Exodus. Just as God freed God's people from enslavement, so also God wants to liberate us today from oppression and poverty, from greed and excess, from discrimination and despair, from short-term thinking, free ourselves to love ourselves, our neighbors, our children, and our God, fiercely. And that night, Jesus was betrayed, and so many other nights before, Jesus took the bread, broke it, he gave thanks for it and said, this, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, blessed it, and said, this, this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for many. Do this, remembering me. When we break this bread and drink, this cup, we proclaim God's reign on earth right here and now, breaking in and the promise of a healed world. Let our eating and drinking be a prayer on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. The bread of life broken for you. Please share with us. and a cup of blessing shared for you. And when they had shared the bread and shared the cup, they continued to worship God. I'd like to invite now our wonderful new chair of consistory, Vicki Burns, to come be with us. Oh, hello everybody in the room and in your own rooms. And Nick, did you say six years? Because that was illuminating and so inspiring. Thank you for your message for the children. Um, Forgive me, I'm just gonna pull up my notes here and put on my glasses. Um, when I first came to Mill, um, is that right? Yep. Can you hear me now? Yes. When I first came to Middle, um, I was amazed. I couldn't believe that there was a place such as this with people like you, a warm, inviting, artsy, um, welcoming, multiracial, multi-ethnic, multi-generational place um, that felt like home. I was raised Catholic. My step-grandfather was a Southern Baptist preacher in my family. Church was non-negotiable. Um, but my career as a journalist took me all over the country, and um, it was hard to, to find a place until I found Middle. Um, I was asked to serve on the board a couple years ago. Um, I call that before the fire. 
and just recently asked to step in uh, as chair of Consistory. And I just want to say a word here about uh, the people who are on Consistory, my fellow board members, who are just an amazing and dedicated group of people. And um, we are all so committed to the best of what middle is and the best of what middle can be as we uh, launch our rebuild. So I said yes, because middle matters to me, and I think it matters to all of you. Um, I described it this way to, to my consistory colleagues recently. Middle represents something incredibly valuable and necessary for the times we are in right now. Uh, a lot of which we heard Nick uh, describe for us. From raging storms to rising fascism to resurging recessions and the unrelenting ways the powerful can oppress the powerless, these are very difficult times. Here's what I know for sure. Middle is essential. It's a spiritual rock, a refuge in the storms, with art that moves us, sermons that stir us, work for justice that encourages us and makes a difference. As Jackie says, the fire couldn't kill, kill the fierce love that is middle. So we need middle church. New York needs middle church. The world needs middle church. And I know you feel the same way, so here's what we need to do. We need a space to hold everything that we are and everything that we're destined to become. A space that is physical, a space that is digital at the same time. And to get such a space, we need your help. So we'd like you to stay for the congregational meeting today and hear about our plans to rebuild. Stay in the room, stay in your own rooms at home digitally if you can. And listen closely for the ways that you can partner in that rebuild and make a commitment to do so. Make a commitment to do so. We need your energy, your time, your talent, your prayers, and resources to be who we are. And if you've been thinking about joining us, or as Jackie likes to say, if you're ready to stop dating and getting married, get married, let's do so. Um, the movement moves with people in it. I love Middle, I love all of you, and uh, thank you. Thank you for hearing the words. And in the flame of dawn reflecting on the open sea In every fury and every love You are awaiting me But what about the child who cannot breathe? Or the gentle sage who won't see the age of 32. Then what is raining from above? I am awaiting. I am awaiting you. Light it all and burn it to the ground. Go 
down. Let me watch my loves and my teachers slowly fade away. I'll just have to wait another day. Maybe in God we trust just a lucky charm. Maybe faith is only hoping that we will rise anew. And so I rise, and so I stand. I am awaiting. I am awaiting you. Light it all and burn it to the ground. Go ahead and let your thunder sound. Let me watch my loves and my teachers trust just a lucky charm maybe faith is only hoping that we will rise anew Our Creator God, we thank you for your love in abundance. You don't have to love us, but you do. And these gifts we give to you as an expression of our love for each other and for you. Not because we have to, but because we want to co-labor with you, God. To commit to giving, God, to advance your movement of peace, of mercy, of love, your fierce love, and of justice. And so we give these gifts, God, to you, not because we have to, but to, to invest in the next seven years into the next generation, to give back what is borrowed from our children, and to give and give and keep on giving. God, we ask that as we offer these gifts, that your, your promises be fulfilled in them. Here on earth, as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. So my friends, since you're already standing, I won't have you sit, we'll just stay standing. We are about to sing the closing hymn, so you want to grab that bulletin like it is the golden ticket that it is. And we are about to sing Si Tu Puedes, Cántalo. Can you say Si Tu Puedes? Si Tu Puedes. Cántalo. 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 Al Señor. Al Señor. 
once again, you have done it, Middle. You are bilingual. It's amazing. We're just going to sing it together. Yes, always. Thank you, I thank you, I thank you. Um, friends, we welcome Nick as entrepreneur in residence at Middle Church. Well, he'll be helping us to get into some holy trouble that will make the world better for generations to come. Thank you, Nick. Thank you very much. Yeah. And receive this word of benediction. Right. Okay. okay, ready? <laughs> may the God of hope, may the God of hope send each and every one of you out into the world with his universal love to go and love each and every person we come in contact with. Amen. And may sh 
Jamathan and may she. Yes. Because uh, we uh, may they. I'm just saying. Sometimes I still get go back. I don't care. We love you, you already. You don't know where I well, came I'm not from. trying to work it out. I was just trying to add. I was just trying to add something more. No, amen. <laughs> and may she continue to bring to our community amen. people like Nick and his family. And, and may we continue to grow in our tentacles of love and power and joy in the world. Amen. That's all I wanted to say. 